You're Does loving it... that hoodie. Uh, I'm obsessed with this hoodie. Although now I'm getting a bit hot, but it's okay. I'll just sweat through it. <laughs> sweat through the live. I think so... it is legitimately freezing now up here. It's so cold. It's really cold up here, but you know what's so funny? I think I just run at a really high body temperature. <clears throat> I think I run at a really high body temperature because every time I get five minutes into a walk with him and I'm like drenched in sweat. And it's fucking freezing, like it's cold. Well, that's a good thing for the old thermogenesis. Right? Gosh, you must yeah. be burning so many calories. So many calories. Only like only like 200 a walk. So not that many, but enough. I'll take it. Right, you ready for question one? Or is there anything we need to go over? Any any housekeeping things before we... Yeah, yeah I wanted to talk about something. So Sharon, who's one of our OGs... Um, she she's amazing she um has been with us for four rounds um and she it's so funny because she's just started to get really adherent and she's just started to really get some momentum and some steam under her under her belt and um she's basically come back to us and you know rightly so said look i've done it for four rounds now i've just started to get find my way with it do you think i um need to stay on for the next round accountability crimbo or uh, do you think i can go alone what do you think and emma and i have basically said You've only just started to get momentum. You've only just started to get the ball rolling now more than ever. You need somebody pushing that ball, helping you keep going, keep going, build on it, build on it. And now more than ever is the perfect time to have coaches with you. Um, She came back and kind of said that she wondered, and the reason I'm saying this is because I think it might apply to a few of the grads. She wondered if maybe she might benefit now from more one-to-one coaching, which Emma and I were kind of not in a, not in a patronizing way, but just, I don't know, I guess in a professional way, kind of laughing at over WhatsApp because Emma and I both have one-on-one clients as well. I don't right now, but I have had many, many times in the past. You tell them as a coach, they check in one day a week, one day a week, they contact you with everything. They tell you about the week that's happened, where they're at, and you reassess the week going forward. And then you basically, you have a very strict policy of that's it now. Like we, I, otherwise, you've got 20, 30 clients who are all contacting you over Facebook, Instagram, email, whatever it is, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That's a surefire way to get burnout and to hate your job inside of a week. So you're very strict with them. And it's funny because on the EC method, we've taken on loads of you. But what that means is that we basically are m- making ourselves available to you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And you actually probably get more for, more in terms of the coaching for less money even though it's a bigger group, but that doesn't really matter. Um, so I just thought that was a really interesting thing that had happened. And I just kind of wanted to talk about that. It, it is interesting. And I'm sure there are other people in the group thinking, oh, would I benefit from a bit of one-to-one coaching? And some people do, but I'm definitely with Chloe in that I'm stricter with my one-to-one clients. Like I'm like, I'm- this is your check-in period. If you don't check in during this time, like you don't get it. And I expect yeah, them to come to me. Here, I'm just taking the dog out because he's being a shit. Yeah, yeah no worries. <laughs> But I expect my one-to-one clients to come to me with questions at their check-in. You get a hell of a lot, probably in many ways, more support. The one, like the couple of people that I would say like one-to-one is sometimes applicable to is if you have very distinct um, problems, probably isn't the right word, but like very individual and specific things that you need to be coached on. As opposed to like, if your goal is body composition, there's no secret to it. And I think one thing she was saying is, oh, it's very easy to get lost in a group of 600 people. And it is, but that, like, that's your responsibility. My one-to-one clients would still get lost. I don't chase anyone. Like, that's not what coaching is about. Like, we're not here to parent you. We're not here to chase you to check in. You have to take responsibility. 
And it's exactly the same in a group or in one-to-one. If you need help, we're not mind readers. You have to tell us, I'm struggling with this. Okay, how are we going to help you? Or, you know, be accountable in the group. In many ways, actually, group coaching holds you way more accountable. Because even if you're not, even if like you don't need specific help from us, you can use the the group for accountability. Whereas if you're one-to-one, there's no social pressure to do anything because no one, you know, it's only me and my client that know that they haven't stuck to it for the week. Yeah. Whereas if you're saying, do you know what? And, and a lot of people do this. And I think it's a really good way to do it. Is let's say, oh, I can't remember who posted this yesterday, but basically was like, I've fallen off the bandwagon for the last week, but I'm back and I'm ready to do it, and I'm ready to do this, this, and this. And basically writing it out, like, you see why she'd written it. She'd written it so that once you say it out loud, you kind of yeah. have to do it. It's why a lot of people say that they're going to do things on social media. They're like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm about to start training for a 10K. Yeah, because then your mates are going to be like, did you say a couple of weeks ago you were going to start training for a 10K? Because it's funny, because yeah. you've not done anything. It's <laughs> to hold you, like, socially accountable a little bit, which I yeah. think is actually really useful. Um I- and I love it how you said that um <laughs> sorry I'm having some domestic I'm having a, an interesting domestic day um uh, I found it <laughs> anyway sorry the dog is it's gonna be a live fight on the EC method today I don't know what's happened to him he's just gone completely mad he's turned into a mental dog um anyway so uh, it's funny what you said about how you're like, you don't chase your clients. So absolutely. I give my clients like a 24, 48 hour window where they can check in. And if they miss it, they miss it. If it's Wednesday at 8 PM, I'm like, no, it's done. I can't think of the last Wednesday at 8 PM. Where I wasn't replying to EC method questions. Yeah. I just say it's just, I mean, it's so crazy to me. Like, so yeah, guys, I don't want anyone to think like, well, there's so many people in this group. So, you know, I'm not getting, I'm not getting as much out of it. I, I guarantee you, and I, like we have said this before, Emma and I have looked around at our competitors. You get a hell of a lot more from us than you get from anyone else. And it doesn't matter if there's, you know, 600, 700 people in the group. It just doesn't matter. Um, so, yeah, uh, I just and thought just, that was interesting. Just before we um, move before. on on that as well, like you will get out what you put in. And by that, I mean as well, you could do the easy method and be like, oh, you know what? I didn't get very much from it. Like I was really struggling, but I didn't really basically if you don't ask you don't get if you tell us what's wrong then we can help you but it's really hard for us to coach you if you don't put yourself out there a little bit and say I'm struggling with this and you know that's what we're here for 100% one honey pee (laughs) um okay and then the other point that I just wanted to cover before we get started is Christmas accountability is now open to anyone within the EC method at the moment tomorrow no tonight there isn't a huge amount of difference as in you will still get the same support that you get now oh it says sorry it's got an error sign oh no we're still live it's fine um yeah you'll still get exactly the same support you get now you will still get your training your nutrition and again it's always led by you decide okay over christmas i just want to maintain that's what we will support you to do if you decide i'm happy to continue with fat loss we will support you to do that if you want to continue hypertrophy again we will support you it always comes from you guys so do remember that and do remember um it's yeah it's not like it's going to be a completely different program you'll still get the same support that you get now but it's just to keep you on track over that period 
there are going to be some new bits, guys. You guys should know by now, with every round, we come in with some new bits. Um, because, you know, it's funny, actually, I was talking about this on Instagram today, about, more about my book. Um, you progress as a coach, and you learn from your clients. You learn what they need, what they don't have, what a lot of people are asking for, and you cater. Um, so there are going to be three new files right off the bat for everybody. Well, none of them you guys have had before, but hopefully if you've been listening to emma and i you'll pretty much have a good idea of already um and we're gonna have some new bits on the website if we can get it working again because we're technology cursed um and yeah it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a really good thing for you guys to do but but by default just the you know it's gonna do what it says on the tin it's gonna make sure that you don't throw all of your results in the last few weeks or even months away just because the novelty of Christmas is upon us, you can still you can still enjoy Christmas and be on track to percent. So um, I think it's honestly like it's going to be the best round we've had as coaches. I think we're going to find it really enjoyable. Yeah, and we'll be starting twenty twenty one in phenomenal shape and like just in the best position possible. Rather than trying to make up for overindulging over Christmas, we'll be ready to get smashing towards those goals. The other thing, do we want to touch on what's happening with the podcast going forward? Yeah, so Emma uh, came up with an idea that I wholeheartedly agree with. Um, going forward, the two two of the three lives that we do a week are, are just going to be for you guys. They're the Q&As. To be honest, if that's the coaching, that's part of the coaching that you're getting from Emma and I and we want to keep that just for you um you know and also we don't want people kind of essentially with the same questions as you guys picking up on our answers and self-coaching um because it's not fair on you and it's not fair on us so we're probably going to just keep that private from now on um and then one of the lives that we do every week which will be when we have a guest or we do a um or we do a topic that will be a podcast that goes out to the public because, um, you know, it's not really that. It's not, it won't ever be overly specific. That was our thoughts. Did I miss anything there, Emma? No, I think that summarises it well. I just think, yeah, it, it was good to do for a while to so people could sort of see what kind of service they're getting within the EC method and a little bit of like a peek into it. But really, like, this is coaching for you guys and this is what you're paying for and they're your questions answered. So it yeah. should be for... For you, you guys only okay yeah, um right you ready for a question yes uh, okay how much of a role does genetics play in body transformations re-weight loss i feel my body has said that's it and training anesthetic wise will my body respond differently to others in the group i think i looked better when i did more cardio in my training could this be indicative of my heritage and genetic body composition? Great question. question. Yeah. yeah. Great question. Um, so yes, it does play a role. Absolutely. No, it is not the be all and end all real physique results. And what I mean by that is let's just say genetically you're predisposed to be more sedentary. Um, and that is a genetic thing, right? That basically means that in order to get quote unquote lean, you're going to find it harder because you're going to have to push more. You're going to have to make more effort than somebody like me, you know, who's got it from my dad. Um, I, I'm genetically predisposed to get up and move around. Um, that's just how I am. I'm active. You see how I gesticulate a lot. I talk really fast. Like it's just kind of how I, my makeup. Um, so that, you know, is less difficult for me. Um, and then you think about things like, um, you know, bone structure, if you're pear shaped, 
you're going to find it really hard to lean out your lower body. You can, you can get, in fact, you know what, you can get amazing, if you're pear-shaped, you can get amazing hypertrophy uh, results on your lower body, which will look incredible when you achieve great, you know, a lean uh, body composition. But is it going to be harder for you to get leaner lower body? Yeah, it is going to be harder. Um, but so, so essentially what I'm trying to say is the end result is achievable for anybody and everybody. But how easy or hard you find the journey to get there will 100% play, your genetics will 100% play a role in that. And also how maintainable those results are. So someone like Louise Thompson, who's a friend of mine, love her, but I've known that girl for years. She's always had abs. She has always had abs. And now that she trains, you know, she, um, she's, she, she looks great, but she looks very similar to how she always looked, you know, because she's genetically made that way. Um, so that is like a really good example. Whereas when someone like, if I get abs, fuck me, that is a long old fat loss journey for me. And it is not as easy as it is for her. And it's fucking hard. And I'm probably not going to hang on to it. Um, but yes, sorry, long winded answer. It's it, everybody can get to the end goal. It's just how easy or quick it happens. Uh, that is determined by genetics. Emma. Yeah. I think that's such a good way to put it. Actually, like everyone can get lean. Mm. everyone your genetics won't stop you getting lean but you're so right that it is much harder for some people than it is for other people and how you will look is slightly different as well so for example we know that where you store body fat so where you might get leanest first and not lean in other places or where you tend to store muscle mass more that can be slightly genetic so there are like predispositions but it certainly won't stop you getting results it just may mean that you need a little bit more support than someone else who might find it a little bit easier. But I think the important point to note is that your genetics um, impact your behaviours and that's what's causing this. So that kind of makes it more something you can control or you understand it in a way where you can control. So for example, you might be genetically predisposed to being hungrier, which makes it way harder for you to stick to a diet but it's still your behavior of eating or your action of eating that's going to impact your results. And similarly with Chloe's talking about like how much she moves and that she obviously has a quite high and natural predisposition to moving a lot, which means that her energy expenditure is higher. She's still doing those actions. And equally, some people respond to energy reduction. So this ha does have a big genetic uh, component. Some people, when they eat less end up moving less which, and the extent to which that happens for you can mean that it's way harder for you to lose weight than other people so that can completely negate a deficit in that everyone responds to some extent with when you diet and you take in less energy your body tries to respond by expending less energy but some people's responses are way harder like are way stronger than other people's responses and those are the people that tend to find it hard to lose and maintain weight. And you'll often see, like, the probably my least favorite, like, headings, but there's often, like, articles written and they're like, oh, what's the point? Like, there's no point dieting because your body will just adapt. And it's like, yeah, that's a completely normal response. Like, it's, that? Oh, it's always on, like, Daily Mail and shit, like... Well, oh, cool! But everyone should take all of their health and social advice from that paper. Jeez. Yeah, but it can make. I could see that, like see that, from like like, um, like um, a client or someone who's trying to lose weight. You'd find yeah. that really demotivating. Oh, I'm trying really hard, but what's the point? They're basically saying, "What's the point?" Because you'll start moving less, which means that 
you'll no longer be in a deficit anyway. And it's like, you have control over that though. Yeah, it might be harder for some people, but you have control over that. That's why we monitor your steps. That's why we look at both sides of the energy balance equation. Yeah. So I I think that answers that question. I just say, I'm sorry if anyone just saw my butt. I am wearing underwear, but... (laughs) I mean, I'm wearing my underwear. But I definitely... There's an incentive. Like, if you're not in the EC methods, you won't get little (laughs) flashes of Chloe's ass. My whole ass is... But honestly, I had to drag my dog out the room because she's being such a shit. Anyway. Okay. Not a question. More of a celebration of the Success Express. I'm glad that's catching on. Um. Oh... Oh, wait, the Success Express stopped at Celebration Station for me this week. One small <laughs> tweak of having my breakfast a little later in the day and my adherence has been 100 Um, Emma right, is we're... using a device that cannot record or broadcast this call. That's no, what my thing says. But... Yeah, no, we, we're back now. I think we um, went okay. off for a second. I don't know how long that lasted. Hopefully okay. we're never on somewhere. Um... Yeah, I mean, the Success Express does often stop at Celebration Station. Um, but as long as you get back on there, as long as you get back on the Success Express, you can ride it all the way to... Um... Dream physique. No, Emma, it has to either rhyme or be alliterated or something. Uh, to... Okay, look, I'll come back on this. Okay, we'll come okay. back to this. <clears throat> I'm enjoying the program and I'm starting to see good results. I'm just struggling a bit to improve my overhead upper body strength. And I think it's coming from being really inflexible in my shoulders. Any suggestions to improve this? Thank you. You don't need to be overhead upper body strong at all. Um, Obviously, if you're talking about things like, you know, shoulder press, um, then honestly, what I would say is start really, okay, well, the first thing I would say, if you're, if you're having mobility issues, a really good thing to do is to really, really focus on warming up and stretching before you lift. So I have, um, I have some issues with my hips. I went cliff diving in Ibiza a few years ago and I hyperextended pretty much my whole lower body and it fucked me. Nobody ever do it. Nobody ever, ever go cliff diving it's just not it's not worth it um and now I have to spend like a good four or five minutes warming up my lower body and my hips and opening them up all my lifts are shit I can't really get much depth I can't really get much range um so first and foremost warm it up stretch it out you know you're talking overhead stretches you're talking lateral side stretches everything you can do you know opening up your chest your back all of it um and then when I, I would say start very, very lightweight. So say if you're doing an overhead press, either start with those like like one kg, two kg baby dumbbells. Um, and then when it gets like really hard for you, drop the weight and keep doing it. And you will burn out that muscle. Like you will still feel it. Um, and other than that, it's really, you don't have to do overhead squats. Any squat variation will do. You don't have to be overhead upper body strong. It, it's, it's a really specific problem that shouldn't really be too um annoying for you emma yeah i think the only thing i would add is that the reason you might not be seeing strength improvements or you think that you're weak in that area is that it is quite a weak area like it's unlikely that you'll be able to overhead press as much as you could bench press for example so don't i think a lot of people get confused with that especially with like lateral raises and things they're like i've not increased my weight on lateral raises that means i must be really bad at them and actually, it's just because it's a really hard movement and you wouldn't see a lot of 
increase in strength in that motion. So yeah. bear that in mind as well. You pro- you won't see the weight that you can lift overhead go up as quickly as weights in other areas. Yeah. Okay, newbie question. question. Um, a question you covered over the weekend was about the calorie surplus. It got me thinking about hypertrophy and having suboptimal days slash weeks of calorie intake slash workouts. How soon does being suboptimal stall slash negate hypertrophy? Are there any effects a person notice would after, sorry, I think that's meant to say would notice after a few suboptimal days in one week? I'm cutting myself some slack. Over the past few weeks, work life has been inconsistent. I've started a part-time job while on furlough to help with my mindset, but the shift hours have led to me being totally out of whack with eating. I'm getting up late in the morning and getting to bed in the early hours. My eating time frame is small and usually I'm not hungry after 10 p.m. Also, partly fear of the latter would cause negative cycle pushing, uh, pushing me to stay awake longer. Uh, the new job also means I'm easily hitting 20k plus steps a shift. Wow. And that I'm under calories obviously leaves me feeling lethargic. I realise it's a simple fix. You've said time and time again, just need to plan higher protein meals on those days, which I'll do for this coming week. Not just higher protein meals, just meals like yeah (laughs) it's not really the protein that's a problem here it's just you need to make sure that you're eating uh there are loads of ways to get calories in like um yeah um so what's the question really is i think uh, these questions are quite interesting because normally as you read them like you've answered that at the bottom really like you need to plan better but often writing them out is really useful because it's helps you sort of put down what you're thinking um yeah it does sound like i mean if your energy expenditure is going to have gone up significantly as well if you're hitting 20k steps a shift uh i wouldn't be afraid of eating late at night um making sure that you do get in enough nutrition i don't know what like what the job is so if you could have breaks on the job or you could just grab a protein bar or like how flexible that is but you're yeah. going to have to plan ahead. And you've even noticed here, you're like, obviously I'm under on calories and I'm over on steps, which means I'm going to be lethargic. Yeah. Because there isn't much energy there. So plan ahead is really all we can say, I think. Yeah. And, you know, think smart. We, You know, we have said this so many times. If you take, you know, a tub of peanut butter and a spoon into work with you, you're likely going to hit your calories by snacking on that. Like, it's going to happen. You also take in two or three protein bars. You know, you're going to stay on top of your protein intake for that for that shift. Um, and, yeah, there, there's a lot that you can't, you know, even things like chocolate-covered nuts. Like, it's not bad for you and will really bring your calories up. And even things like bananas, just taking a piece of fruit in, like, there's so much you can do. You just need to think like what's portable, what's quick, what's easy, what's high calorie and tick those boxes and you'll be absolutely fine. So just sit, as Emma said, sit down and plan and think. Agreed. Okay. Newbie here. Um, I'm so excited for the next three weeks. and beyond that. Love this program. I feel energized, more confident than I have in the last three years. I no longer have to jump and shoehorn into my gym into my jeans they slide like butter on a corn cob (laughs) no sexy 
<laughs> I wish I was wearing pants right now. Mine are covered in muck. <laughs> oh, that was so fun. Right, okay, what else do we have here? Slide like butter over a corn cob. <sighs> Brilliant. Wait, this one's Wait. Like, so I have to cough. It. So I have to cough. I came on the EC method round three. So just curious as to how you two started working together and how the EC all began. Wouldn't it be amazing if after this COVID shit show is over, we could have some kind of real life meet up with everyone? Although it might end up looking like one of those weird cult events where everyone is whooping <laughs> as you guys walk onto the stage. Hmm, that sounds fun. That sounds horrific. <laughs> Yeah, but we do need a meet up for sure. Maybe for not. Sure. <laughs> um, you maybe want a sparkler and some holy water. Everybody draw AC. Um, yeah. So, uh, how did we start working together? So, I uh, have I've done two series of my podcast, the podcast, which I'm finally uh, launching again. Uh, in probably it'll start like early to mid December. We already have a couple of episodes recorded. We've got a couple more coming to record, and then we've got a series of ten. And I basically had been following Emma on Instagram via a mutual friend of ours who's a physique competitor. Um, Who? And I've been following Melissa. Hayward? Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. Okay, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, So I've been following her uh, through her, and I thought, Emma, obviously, I thought Emma was amazing. Um, Amazing physique, amazing knowledge. And I loved her, and I was like, come on my podcast. And she was like, maybe. So she came on and by far and away was my favorite episode that we recorded. Um, just because I think, look, obviously we're different coaches. We have different approaches. We, we break things down differently. But I think ultimately at the end of the road, we kind of have the same ethos and idea of what works and what doesn't work and why, um, whether it's, you know, behavior or science or whatever it might be. Um, and we just had great discussions. And then she came back on my second podcast and she'll be coming back on my third. And then she basically said to me before the second one, like, hey, we should do some group coaching together. And I said, I don't believe in group coaching. <laughs> full circle to what we we're saying at the beginning as I don't think it works I think it's like really like um what did I say like professionally like irresponsible and yeah, I was I like think you were yeah, worried it was going to be too generic yeah and um, which is ironic given that I've got two super well, uh three <laughs> super generic book like programs books um anyway so then Emma was like look it fucking works I know I've had a really high success rate with it and I think we do great together let's try it and I was like Ugh. begrudgingly was like okay lock down here and we were like okay let's try it and it honestly the first round <clears throat> was fucking amazing everybody loved it Emma and I loved it we got amazing results and then we just literally it's been the the success the success express has been a runaway train and we just haven't stopped Emma yeah exactly that and I think as coaches we complement each other really well like I don't think we could do this on our own and nor would I want to like it would be like not fun at all but it would be a lot. <laughs> yeah it would be a lot it would be yeah. the stress express <laughs> Yeah, and we're really good actually in terms of like not only as coaches to clients complementing each other, but in terms of what we bring to the table. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of you will have noticed that I do certain things, and a lot of you will have noticed that Emma does certain things, and it and I, and it just works really well for us. Dream team, right? Okay, next question. No, just a thank you for this process. I'm absolutely loving it. I feel every day is a game where I have to do certain things, hit my steps, get under a certain calorie allowance. And 
being the person I am, I am so competitive that this works for me really well. I feel like I must win as I never want to lose. So have been very strict with everything, but it's working for the first time. The boyfriend... Uh, uh, I think she's saying the boyfriend has complimented numerous times this week about how my body has changed and I look great. Um, which motivates me to keep going. Sorry, that was a really hard one to read. Um, if there are any reasons why an individual would maintain on less than 2000 calories, e.g. if I have PCOS, just an FYI, I've had a glucose intolerance test before, which was negative. Also, if you are only getting three to 5,000 steps per day and only lifting um, in a couple of workouts per week during maintenance, does this change the amount of calories you would consume? Yes. So your energy expenditure will dictate the calories that you need to maintain. So we've spoken about this quite a lot. We call it total daily energy expenditure. Go through the different components of that. Your exercise activity thermogenesis, your non-exercise activity thermogenesis, the thermic effect of food, your basal metabolic rate. Those are the components. So if you change any of them, that will change your daily needs. And I think what people get a little bit confused about with maintenance calories is they're not a fixed number. Like no. today, my maintenance calories will be different than they are tomorrow. Yeah. And they'll be different than the next day. It depends how much I move. It depends what I eat. It depends if I have exercise. It depends what the weather's like. Like if it's very cold, you might spend more energy keeping warm. There are so many factors. Yeah. And the point isn't to be so pernickety and specific, but your maintenance, like my maintenance might be on average 2000 calories. That might be roughly what it is. Now yeah. you've asked, like the first part is, is there any reason why an individual would maintain on less than 2000 many 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 people maintain on less than 2000 in fact most women who work in an office maintain on less than 2000 like yeah. if you're not getting a decent energy expenditure and obviously one of the key components is your basal metabolic rate which is almost directly proportionate to how much you weigh so heavier people need more calories to maintain their weight so if you're quite a petite woman and you only do 5,000 steps a day, then you certainly won't need 2,000 calories. Exactly. Yeah. Everything Emma said, like PCOS. So basically, so for me, I'm, what am I? Five foot six. Yeah. Five foot six. So, uh, uh, my, my BMR, my basal metabolic rate is somewhere in that 1200 to 1300 bracket. That for me, is um, that's kind of like my basement intake. If you have PCOS, which actually I do, um, but if you have like, you know, a pretty extreme case of PCOS, um, then that BMR can be, yeah, that, that can be slightly higher than it, than it really should be for you, but not by much, it's not crazy, just a little. Um, then you'll need exactly what Emma said, if you're sat in an office all day, then uh, that, could, that will be very different uh, kind of maintenance calorie um, result then say if you've got a dog and you walk it twice a day and you train, you know, either every day or every other day, or, you know, frequently throughout the week, you're training, likely then your maintenance calories are going to be like past 2000 or around about at least. Um, and yeah, there's a million and one different factors that will affect maintenance. And Emma made a great point there you know your maintenance will change um it's as we always say where we start and where we end up is nothing other than 
a ballpark guess that we work from and adapt as we go, which is why we say to you guys, it's a ballpark guess. Please don't tell us you want the Harris-Benedict equation or you know, the, the Mueller equation. We don't want to do that. It's a ballpark guess and we monitor as we go and we adapt when we need to. And it, and, and it is that simple. And that's also why we get you guys to check in with us every two or three weeks if you're not getting where you want to go because it means the numbers aren't right for you. Yeah, spot on. And I think even with when people are... <laughs> Like if you do want to use a Harris Benedict equation, Google it and do it. Fine. It's it's also just going to give you a ballpark starting point. Cause, and I actually made a post on this earlier in the week. Like there are so many things that that doesn't take into consideration. So for example, if you've dieted before, if you have something like PCOS, your hormonal status around perimenopause, like all these things can affect your BMR as well. The caloric availability of food, like your tracking and accuracies, your body composition. Two people, like if you have someone who's 100 kilograms of basically lean muscle compared to 100 kilograms of largely fat, they're, yeah. they're, the, lean, the person with the lean muscle is going to have a higher BMR. None of these things are taken into consideration with calorie calculators. They yeah. are really a ballpark figure, like a, such a basic ballpark figure. And that's why we don't have people who have been working with us for a while and we've been monitoring their calories then go back to a calorie calculator because it's like you now have really accurate well really accurate fairly accurate data on what you need to either lose weight or maintain your weight or build depending on your goal if you then go back to this calculator which is taking like complete averages really and and a real guesstimate of where you want to be then it's not it's not really applicable to you so don't go back to a calorie calculator but yeah, I would stick to, I think, I mean, you'll find that the calorie calculator will spit out something very similar to what we've already given you. Yeah. But yeah, if you're interested, that's where those numbers come from, but they aren't foolproof and they're really just a starting point from which to monitor and adapt. Yep. Okay. Podcast slash lives this week have been awesome. Focusing on mindset and knowing that just because I'm a quote unquote binge eater, I can't not eat the whole pack or I can't in brackets in quotations not eat the whole packet doesn't mean that I am or that I have to I am in control I can say no girls you rock and I'm really starting to see this as a lifestyle not just an eight-week thing which I have fallen for before so glad you're seeing it as longer than an eight-week thing and not just I'll stick this for eight weeks and then go back to how I was before I think you make really good points about I am a binge eater as well. And this might seem like pedantic, but I think saying I struggle with binge eating is a much better way to put it because it's not something that you are. It's not part of who you are. It's something that you're struggling with at the moment, which if you look at it like that, then it sounds like a changeable thing. Whereas if you say I am a binge eater, and we talk about this a lot with when you say I am fat as if it's part of who you are, you're not fat, yeah. you just have some extra adipose tissue. Like if and then yeah. actually I've seen anti dieters um <laughs> like favorite. backlash against that and they're like, I like to identify as fat. Do you know what? Do you know what? Fine. <laughs> you do that, fine. But honestly, most people that come to us to work with us want to lose some fat and it actually helps not to identify as the thing that you want to lose, right? So you are not fat, you simply have some excess stored energy is a much better way to look at it because that's changeable. You saying that you are something is not changeable. It's a fixed mindset. 
So I love that you've noticed that and you're like, instead of I am a binge eater, it's something that I'm struggling with. You don't have to be that person. And that is changeable. I love that. And I honestly, like, I would really hope that, I mean, I, the fucking headache, the never ending headache that is social media. I would really hope that people can see through that. And I would really hope, like, just like when the Daily Mail writes some stupid, ridiculous front page article about whatever, you know, I just hope people can see through it and they know what they're looking at. When people stand up, having done this for what, nine years, when people stand up and they say, like, I am a, a proud, whatever it is, like, let's just use this example, fat. I'm fat and proud. Okay, in a way, great, because you're inspiring confidence in women who have body fat. And that is not a bad thing. That's nothing but positive. Like, you should be confident, even if you do have, as Emma said, a little bit more adipose tissue than either you would like or you feel like the societal, quote, unquote, norm would like you to have. You should fucking have confidence. That should not be taken away from you. But to encourage people to feel good about the fact that they might be actually unhealthily overweight and it works the other way around, I'm like, I don't understand how this has become accepted. Like, I see people who are like, you know, again, quote unquote, fat and proud. And I'm like, you are not healthy. You are a heart attack waiting to happen. And I think, you know, the same thing about, you know, people who. You know, it's the same thing as as the kind of pro-eating disorder websites. It's promoting something that's incredibly unhealthy because you're proud of it. And it works both ways. Um, So, yeah, absolutely. You need to break it down and be like, do you have a bit of body fat that you're more than happy with and you enjoy and you like? and You're not going to let somebody else tell you that you're not allowed to be happy. Fuck off. I'm fine. Cool. I back you 100 percent. If you're like, actually, I have quite a lot of body fat and I'm pretty unhealthy and this might be pretty dangerous for me at some point down the line, then you don't have to be fat and proud. You can actually fix it. As Emma said, it's transient. You can you can work it out. Anyway, yeah. And really also, you can be like proud of yourself, happy, confident and have some body fat that you want to lose. They're not like yeah. two distinct you can be things. All of- yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and also I've noticed it recently as well. That I, you know, obviously I don't like to name names and call people out because I'll just start a war that I really don't want. But like I notice it with people who I would consider to be kind of bullies on social media doing like mental health campaigns, and I'm like, mm, <laughs> really, does this apply to you? Because I have mental health issues, and you are part of the problem. So yeah. shut the fuck up. Yeah. Anyway, now I'm going on a tangent, so we should move on. Okay, I'll move on. I'll move on. okay hey guys i'm in need of a bit of coaching this week i've been slow and steady losing a pound a week for two rounds now brilliant i've been on 1600 calories pretty consistently for the past five weeks give or take 50 calories on my weekly average okay that's pretty consistent um five workouts three of yours and two hit slash endurance workouts plus three hours of yoga a week steps have been 10,000 steps Last two weeks, I've been stuck at 10 stone. This week, my lowest weight was 10 stone one. I upped my steps last week to 12,000. I don't think I'll manage to stick to 1500 calories, but this is my last, this is my only option after three weeks at the same weight. Sorry, but is this my only option after three weeks at the same weight? Or shall I give it another week of 12,000 steps? Thanks so much for everything so far. Give it, give it more time. Yeah, I mean, so look, I would say if if you're hitting that two week, three week mark of a stall, if you can hold on for another week or two, do because the whoosh effect does happen. And as you get smaller, you say you've been consistently losing. 
that rate of loss is going to slow down. So you have to bear that in mind. You are now a smaller person. You have less to lose. So please do keep that in mind. Uh, look, a lot of you are saying this. Obviously, the variables here are calories in food. And if you don't want to drop it too low, and we encourage you not to, we want to keep you, you know, fueled and healthy and eating, you know, an appropriate number of calories per day. There's so much you can do. Simply adding on a set, trying to add on a thousand steps over the course of the next one to two weeks is likely going to give you a little push. Or even finishing off your weightlifting sessions, um, your resistance training sessions with 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes of cardio, adding on 5 to 10 minutes at the end of a session to what you normally do, it's great. Um, you know, I've had somebody come to me and say they don't, in the EC method, say she doesn't want to drop her calories anymore. And she's finishing off all the workouts that I'm giving with the 15 minutes of cardio that I'm currently instructing. And I said, up it to 25. It's right. Like these workouts yeah. should take you less than an hour, and it's a really, it's a really easy thing to do. Obviously, we don't want you guys to get bogged down in cardio because it's just a tool to burn more calories, unless you're an endurance athlete. But it's a fucking tool, nonetheless. So yeah, there's loads of, of tip, tips and tricks. Yeah, I think, think I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty much sure much that you're sure. going to be in deficit at 1600 calories, given that you weigh 10 stone. You're working out for five times a week. And you're getting in 12,000 steps now. Like, I'm confident that you're going to be in a deficit. What you need to remember, and what Chloe touched on there, is that as you have less body fat to lose, your weight loss will slow. And if you think about it, in I know that a lot of the time we use like one pound a week of, of body fat loss as a good measure. A better measure or a better way to think about it is 1% of your body weight loss. Because yeah. that kind of shows that as you become like you know as you weigh less then that percentage the weight of that percentage is going to be smaller so that kind of gives a nice way of looking at it i think you'll still be in a deficit i think you just need to be a bit more patient keep being consistent it sounds like you're doing absolutely everything right and yeah. i kind of like that you've said i'm not going to manage to stick to 1500 like i'm quite happy at 1600 i'm in a good routine like this is my and, and I actually think it sounds like you've got really good balance it sounds like you're still smashing workouts you've got energy for that and what's yep. the what's the rush really like you're not overweight weight at 10 stone unless you're about four foot tall and but you'll get leaner slowly and that's kind of what happens as you start to like because oh, you yeah I mean if you've said you've lost about a pound a week for the last two rounds that's like 16 pounds yeah I mean, it's not surprising that you're sort of stagnating now a little bit. And it's not really stagnating. It's just that the drops aren't noticeable on the scale because the scale isn't a sensitive enough measure to measure yeah. the amount of body fat that you're now losing per week. Yeah, exactly. And a really good example of this would be, and I've said this before, let's say like now, so now at the moment, I'm like, what, 65 kg, some 5 kg up from my kind of leanish, like leaner body weight. And what I would say, so let's say that now I were to start my fat loss phase, pretty much in the next four to eight weeks, I would see those scales drop really well. Past that eight week mark, those scales are likely going to hover around 60 kg, somewhere thereabout. And I'm not really going to see much of a drop beyond that, like maybe like just before a shoot, like because of, you know, the way that I manipulate things, maybe a whoosh effect coming down to 59 kg, but that would be it. Um, and... But that is when I see visually the most changes in my physique. So I see big changes on the scale and I'm like, shit me, like I look the same, like what the fuck? Uh, maybe my waist gets a bit smaller, but I look the same. 
when the scales start to really struggle to move, my body is changing on a, you know, a weekly basis. It's very obvious. Um, the scales are not everything. Uh, and, and yeah, just start to look at, if, if you are in this physique results, just start to look at your body. How do you look every morning? Um, and you might, you might surprise yourself. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Because we obviously get both ends of the spectrum and you'll have like people who have a lot of body fat to lose annoyed that they've lost five pounds in a week, but they don't look any different yet. And then yeah. you've got on the other side, people who look different within a two week period and like it's starting to see their abs and they're like, I've not lost any weight this week. And you're like, there is no fat to lose. That's the problem. Like there's not enough that you would see that on the scales, but yeah. you can see it, which, yeah. Oh, grass is always greener, I guess. Um, okay, I feel... Oh, I have finally got a date for my varicose vein surgery, and it's this month. I won't be able to train legs for a while, or at least definitely not heavy weights. Any tips on what I can do in the time leading up to the operation to ensure that I get optimal leg training in so I don't lose much muscle mass? My plan is to still train arms, but seated lifts rather than standing after the operation. Uh, yeah, we've, we've, we've talked about this before. Um, absolutely, you know, feel free to smash legs three days a week or lower body, you know, glutes, hams, quads, whatever it is you're doing, three times a week, obviously never two days in a row because that's not good for recovery. Um, and, and obviously make sure that you're on top of your protein intake and, and give it your all. Really aim for progressive overload and really push yourself and fuck yourself up. But the truth of the matter is, is that if you go beyond three or four weeks without training your lower body, then you are going to start to see a little bit of muscle loss. Um, it, it just happens. Like your you are your your lower body will probably end up being a little bit catabolic, and that is just that's just the that's just the result of having surgery and not being able to train an area of your body for a period of time. But it doesn't mean you're not going to get it all back. We can still get it all back, and and it will take, likely take a few months. Um, but we'll get you back to where you were before the op, and just focus on what you can do. Like you can do seated upper body, amazing. You can do some kind of core work, amazing, and any kind of like upper body cardio stuff, like seated rope slams or whatever the fuck that thing is that I see all the old people using. Oh yeah, the gym. yeah, yeah. There are options, um, but just do what you can do. And Emma and I always say this: try and find something positive about that period, like. I'm sure that there'll be things that you can do that you couldn't do before because you had surgery in your lower body. And I know that might sound weird now, but wait for it because it'll probably happen, Emma. Yeah, I mean, yeah. great attitude. Just thinking, right, what can I do to make the best out of this situation? I'm still going to train upper body. I'm still going to, I mean, set yourself some new goals. You might be like, oh, I really want to work on my pull-ups while I can't train legs. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've, I've been through this exact situation and like my legs are shit. Like I have barely any muscle on my legs like this this is almost a little bit upsetting right and I, I was telling this to a friend yesterday and I could hear in her voice that she was like she was like oh you know when someone's like so genuine with their oh I could hear it and I was like oh that makes me quite sad because I was just laughing at myself but basically I had some eight kilogram dumbbells to do lateral raises and I put them on in the on in the floor I put them on the floor between sets and I couldn't lift them up like because I can't like I genuinely can't lift from the floor that amount of weight which is like ridiculous right I can lateral raise it but I can't I can't stand up with it oh well if it makes you feel any better I lap raise sixes so you're doing that's what I mean like I mean okay well I've got a decent ish upper body because I can't really train legs but it is about focusing on what you can do and actually I don't know I think 
I think my point is like you people will get injured and people will have things that they can't do and like it's annoying and hopefully I mean for you for you this sounds like it's just going to be a recovery period and that's great and it'll be a short period of time and then you can get back to training legs great but realistically and as shit as this is I will never train heavy lower body again and like there are a lot of people that and I still have a great life like you know it's not the worst thing in the world that you can still and I think people really worry about that or or when people like oh I'm I'm so worried I'm gonna lose a bit of muscle during lockdown because I can't get to the gym I mean, we can do all we can to avoid that. And I honestly don't think within a month that you'll lose very much. But realistically, if, if you don't go to the gym for a long period of time, yeah, you probably will lose a bit of muscle. Now, yeah. you're in the lucky position that you can get that back when we go back. But there's no need to stress about it. Like, we know the process of doing it. You've done it before. You can do it again. We know that with muscle memory, it will be way easier this time than it was the first time you built that muscle. So yeah, yeah, don't don't stress about it. You'll be very well supported in this group. I love the attitude of finding a way around it and focusing on your upper body. Okay, I moved to hypertrophy two weeks ago and found that fat loss part easier to understand as it felt more linear with a clearer goal. I found that I didn't get impatient, but, and I know, sorry, in brackets, and I know that it's two weeks since I changed lanes. Now I'm becoming impatient about getting results and muscles. I have been consistent and I am increasing weights, but I know I need to be patient and just wait for consistency to show results. Okay, that wasn't really a question, but I'm sure that a lot of people feel that. Honestly, it's not like we've been over that so many times. I feel that, Chloe feels that, literally everyone who's ever tried to build any muscle feels that. So you're in good company, but I'm not sure that there's much else we need to or can cover on that be consistent you already know what you're doing it's just i think having realistic expectations as well which it sounds like you already have that just <laughs> sounded like a bit of a pep talk to yourself which is absolutely fine Agreed. um i have resistance bands at home and i think that i could utilize these more as when i have previously used them my muscles definitely fatigue i just wondered which moves from home weights might be best to use them with to increase resistance slash muscle fatigue thanks well we all know i uh, love bands bands. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry that was a, an old school you method joke so yeah everything pretty much everything you can do with resistance bands you're talking upper body you can do put them over again we talk about this all the time but through a strong holding and you can either do like pull downs pull downs or you can do pull ups if you rest your knees your ankles your feet inside them uh wide grip close grip pull ups you can do lateral raises if you stand on them under your feet you can do front raises you can do presses um you can do we could be here I mean, a while but basically yeah. you can do anything <laughs> You can do rows, you can do biceps, you can do triceps, you can like literally, you can do everything. Um, it's honestly, the best thing to do is, and maybe I'll do a file on this for accountability crimbo, or maybe I'll just do one for week, what week, for week seven. Um, but oh, I don't know. Anyway, but basically, you just essentially need to get online and find, you know, back resistance bands workout. If I were, I'd break it down. If you put in resistance band workouts, it could be quite generic and it might be like quite what's the word, um, ambiguous in terms of what you're training. But, I mean, so, there's banded workouts on the app. They don't need to go to... Yeah, 
oh god yeah 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 honestly but yeah you do you know what a really good workout is if i do say so myself (laughs) is the banded tabata workout that i've put up no it is it's amazing i've done it i've done it it's amazing Mm -hmm. it will fucking wreck you yeah and also you can't really get distracted because you're on a timer it gets done it's like 35 minutes long and it will work your full body easy and all you need is the band okay let's make this the last question okay my appetite seems to be decreasing i think it's because i have stopped snacking and i'm more mindful of what i'm eating as I find I uh, as I am finding my results motivating. I'm not denying myself though, and I feel satiated and not deprived of any treats, just having less of them. Is it normal and does it matter if I end up th- uh, eating slightly under calories, around 750 over the week, or will this cause me- metabolic adaptations? That's totally fine. And se- like when I first read 750, I was like, what? But over the week, yeah, that's fine. I don't think that's a problem. I really, the reason that I'm not worried about that being a problem as well is that you've mentioned that you're being more mindful and you're thinking about society. And I think that's absolutely excellent. Yeah, I 100% agree. And I think that if you're, I get, yeah, I mean, it's a great thing for all of you to start thinking about monitoring and like sitting with, like sit with your hunger. I didn't eat today till like 11.30 a.m. Because I was like, I'm just not really that hungry. I took the dog for a walk. I worked. I did everything. By the time I was like starting to feel hunger, I sat with it and monitored it for like half an hour. And then I was like, no, I'm definitely hungry. It's time to eat. This is a really good thing for you all to do because you need to get those cues down because mindlessly grazing, snacking, eating, it is going to fuck up your appetite. Like it's just not. And we talked about this in the last time. It's not quote unquote normal. The human, the human body, the human uh, physiology to be just eating all the time it's just not how we work so it's a really good thing to do and bravo to you and yeah look honestly if you're finding that you're satiated and you're full bring your calories down if fat loss is the goal and you're on let's say you know 1800 calories and you're not hungry come down to that 16 to 1700 bracket give it a couple weeks and see how you get on yeah brilliant um actually that gives me a good idea for a file as well we should talk about the hunger scale because yes. that's a really good way to think about intuitive eating. So actually, we'll do a file on that so that everyone can implement it a bit and start thinking about... It's it's a good tool to use, like, every time you sit down for a meal, like, where am I on this hunger scale? And the idea is that you don't go, like, to 10 on being really hungry or to... Wait, one would be really hungry. Yeah, yeah one would be really hungry or 10 would be really full. So you want to stay in the middle... You don't want to be starving and you don't want to be so full that you're uncomfortable. But the yeah. scale will sort of explain that and we can give you a few like questions to ask yourself before and after each meal to make sure that you're staying within that range. That's how Kelly Osborne lost all that weight a few years ago. Do you remember? She was like, I just started adhering to the hunger scale and I stopped eating when I wasn't hungry. And like, she just went. I love me. when people are so basic so like that. Like, I'm yeah. sure someone was like, What's the secret to your weight loss? And she was like, Well, you know, I just stopped eating when I wasn't hungry. And yeah. you're like, okay. Dad was born, stand a Brit. It's like, here's the truth of it. Yeah. Actually, uh, just ended up uh, eating less and moving more. Don't know if you've heard of it, but. Yeah. Sure. It seems um, to work well. Yeah, I think. What, what are we doing Friday? Yes, we will be back tomorrow. Okay. Bye. I'm going to go put my pants on now. Hopefully, they're dry. <laughs>